0: Hi, and welcome to a special episode this week. Special, not so special episode oh, so of this special week. Special recycled. <laughs> so I kind of hate when there's some um, podcasts I've listened to that will do old episodes. Yeah. They release them and it drives me crazy because it's like, okay, I could just scroll back and listen to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But we're going to do the vaccine episode.
1: Yes. And we're going to re- replay the vaccine episode. And we're
0: going to replay it because uh, we cover polio in the... Flu epidemic of 1918, mm-hmm. and that is like the highlight now during this whole corona. Mm-hmm. My, my, my corona, oh. <clears throat> this whole corona thing going on. Um, they tried the social distancing extreme, but it was way too late for mm-hmm. them, and it was as virulent a strain as I guess what they're going through now. Yeah. um, which we still don't really know what's going on. I'm being too weak to death. Two more weeks. 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 After that, two more weeks. I, I'm tired of hearing two more weeks. It's going to be two more weeks. So it'll be Christmas. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to release this episode. Enjoy it. Uh, it's just a filler for this week because I know how everybody is dying to hear more scissors yes. and scrubs while they're home on quarantine. So Get nothing to do. We gave you three one week. We're going to give you one this week, yeah. and then next week will be our regular scheduled programming. Yes. All right. Enjoy. welcome to scissors and scrubs this is our probably most controversial episode so far because we are going to discuss vaccines vaccines. um this is going to be a hard one to keep my personal feelings out of it
1: i am just going straight up cbc.gov
0: facts bing 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 and the family story Vaccines. So mm-hmm. we are at the end of the summer series. We're getting ready for back to school, mm-hmm. which is why we chose now is probably the perfect time for the vaccine vaccines. episode, mm-hmm. because now is the time you're all getting your little letters saying, have your kids been vaccinated? Right. Send in all your vaccines. Right. Yep. Um, so we're just going to tell about a couple of epidemics that have struck the world.
1: And why we get And why they girls. have
0: vaccina- vaccinations to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, they're no joke. Uh, I think people are so complacent today because mm-hmm. these diseases are eradicated or you right. don't see how detrimental they are. Right. You don't see the problem. Right. Right. And so they think, "Oh, well, my kids not going to get that on I don't need, I don't need vaccines. the vaccines. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get more into that part of it later. Um Sparkles, it's your it's your show.
1: My time to shine. Your time to shine, yep. baby. Um so I did polio.
0: Polio, olio,
1: Yeah. So I did polio because I have an aunt that had polio in the 50s. So I thought I could get a little personal with it. I've seen somebody affected by it. It was quite a sweep of the nation. I know what polio is. And I obviously, I have an aunt that had polio. Mm -hmm. But I have, like, some of this stuff, I was like, what? Like, it was was crazy. It's ridiculous. So I think of polio. I'm sorry to interrupt
0: because apparently I do that all the time. All the time. Um, I think of polio. I just think of the wards of iron lungs. Yes. Which was before ventilators, you were in a machine
1: mm-hmm.
0: that breathed for you and you Pretty couldn't much. get out of it. Like for months. Yeah. Well, I'll, or ever. Yeah. Okay. Go. I do. Polio talk about that. is all yours, my love.
1: <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what polio is, um, the symptoms of polio, some treatments that they used to have, the vaccine, you know, mm-hmm. we'll get all into it. So I got this all from cdc.gov. Um, polio, uh, poliomyelitis is a potentially deadly infectious disease. Um, it's caused by the polio virus, which spreads from infected person to person. It's mm. very contagious. Mm. Um, the virus lives in the infected person's throat and intestines. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. But can you poop it out? Yeah, so that's how people got it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know that. I you know, really didn't know that. If something was contaminated with feces, which, I mean, it happens. Mm-hmm. That's how we get a lot of viruses. The wrong way you got it. Yeah, it's on your hand. You touch something. Somebody else touches it. Now you get. Oh the my god. Um, so it enters the body through the mouth. You know, you touch something, then you touched your mouth, mm-hmm. and now it's in your mouth. And now which your kids, kids do all and, the time? Which kids do all the time? That's why it was a huge childhood disease. Mm-hmm. Um, enters the body through the mouth. It spreads through contact with feces, or in um, a much less common. It can also spread through droplets from a cough or a sneeze because okay. it does live in your throat as well. But it's much harder to get that way. An infected person can spread the virus immediately before and up to 2 weeks after symptoms appear. So you when don't you're know you're sick for a while. You don't wipe well. When you touch something and somebody else touches it, you can spread it even if you don't have any symptoms. Um, it can live in infected person's feces for many weeks it can contaminate food and water um in unsanitary conditions obviously a nasty little bug yeah it lives for a little while um even if it like i said even if a person does not have the symptoms they can still spread the disease um symptoms some people um most people infected with it with polio about 72 out of 100 will not have any visible symptoms okay so you can get, so you're a carrier but not yeah you can get this virus but you're not sick with it okay um, about one out of four people with polio virus will have flu-like symptoms like sore throat, fever, tiredness, nausea, headache, stomach pain. It lasts for about two to five days and goes away all on their own. So you just think you have like the bug. Right. Um, a smaller portion of people will develop serious symptoms that affect the brain and spinal cord. Oh. Um, Parasthesia, which is the feeling of pins and needles in your legs. Meningitis, which is an infection of the spinal cord and or the brain. That occurs in about 1 out of 25 people. Paralysis, can't move parts of the body or weakness in the arms, legs, or both. That occurs in about 1 out of 200 people. Paralysis is the most severe symptom because it may lead to permanent disability or death. Um, Between 2 and 10 out of 100 people who develop paralysis with polio, Die because the virus affects the muscles that help them breathe.
0: The diaphragm.
1: Yeah. So it paralyzes your diaphragm. Oh, you can't breathe. Yeah. That's how you die. Oh. Um, there's also a thing called post-polio syndrome. It occurs, um, these children would seem like they were fully recovered, but then they can develop new muscle pain, weakness, or paralysis 15 to 40 years later. Years. Yes. Yes. Years. That would suck. I never heard of that. God, that would suck. Yeah. You think you're fine. You're completely ill, but 40 years later, yeah, you get some paralysis. Um, So polio, like, we don't see it anymore. But back in the day, there were all these epidemics. Mm -hmm. So the polio epidemics have been recorded in the U.S. back to 1841. And from 1916 onward, a polio epidemic occurred every summer Ooh. in at least one part of the country. So every single summer from 1916 getting... 16 on, there was an epidemic of polio. It's not even like somewhat; It's an epidemic. I'm
0: going to tell you. I don't think I ever... If I had to go back in time, it sure as hell wouldn't be fucking like 1900 to like 1950. Yeah. It's a lot of They epidemics. died from everything. Yeah. Nope.
1: I'm all set. Yeah. Nope. 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 Um, the most serious of those epidemics occurred in the forties and nineteen forties and nineteen fifties. Um, they would, you know, it's back in the day. So they would quarantine people. They would put stickers on their doors saying, um, you know, "Laura D has polio. Don't come into a house. Don't touch anything." She, t- you know, like I guess call hip- you out. HIPPA wasn't a big thing back no, then. <laughs> they would put it right on your door. This person has polio. Don't come near them. Don't touch anything they touched. Um, they canceled public meetings. They closed movie theaters. They, um, you know, warned kids, don't go near water fountains. Don't drink out of water fountains. Don't go to the beach. Don't go to a public pool because this is all places where you can pick up. Oh, you could get it anywhere. Polio, Right. But I think it's just more, you know, don't put your mouth near the water fountain well, when someone poop else. Don't in drink. the pool. How People about are that? in the pool with their, uh, you know, with their dirty butts. Yeah. Um, originally, most cases occurred in children six months to four years old. Oh, and they usually kid. had mild symptoms and then they developed a lifelong immunity. Oh, okay. So originally that's how it would come out. Then as time passed, sanitation improvements and better hygiene meant most small children had few chances Immunities. of getting it.
0: Okay.
1: Cuz they wouldn't pick it up cuz everything was cleaner, they would give them clean water, they would Right. so they couldn't pick it up as easily. So then it was seen more in older children and young adults. Okay. So that means kids growing up didn't have that immunity that they were getting when they were babies, getting this disease as like a flu. Yeah, um, it's more severe now as they're getting older, and they were more likely to get the paralytic form. Oh, when they got it as older children.
0: Um, so if they just stayed dirty, they'd have been fine. Right, if
1: they didn't clean up, mm-hmm. probably wash your hands kind. after you poop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in 1952, that was the worst epidemic in the in U.S. history. Of 57,628 cases of polio, 3,145 people died, and 21,269 people were left with some form of paralysis in, like, a summer. That's a lot of people. Um, But that epidemic is credited with, like, heightening fears in parents and, Mm -hmm. you know, people all around the country. So it really pushed them for a vaccine. Okay, so that epidemic yep. really pushed it. Like something's got to be done. This is mm-hmm. really awful. So there was all these treatments that would happen I all these can't summers. Wait yeah. to hear some of these. It was like all. It was like this vitamin C treatment where they would flood the back of your throat with vitamin C. I, it was a lot. I <laughs> I was like, what? Your I face think it was alone like a says it. Throat lavage of vitamins. I. It didn't. It didn't really help, though. So. I never like the word lavage either. I'm not no. gonna throat lavage. That no. just sounds awful. It does sound awful.
0: I'm gonna give you a throat lavage.
1: <laughs> it's bad <laughs> enough you the gaggle. Yeah. Um, never mind with polio in your throat. <laughs> um, so one of the treatments was the iron lung. That was probably like the biggest, the biggest treatment that everybody knows about polio. The iron lung. It was invented by Philip. Iron lung. No. <laughs> Drink? 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 I th- Philip Drink. I think so. Dr- drink. <laughs> I don't, don't call me on that. Um, Louis Agassi's Shaw? Yeah. And Agassi? Maybe? I think and it's a ga- Agassi. I like that. Another like guy named James. Um, <laughs> at Haven, Just James. James. Just James. They worked at Harvard. They, they developed with iron lung. Iron lung.
0: Yep. I saw a movie when I was a kid with a... Person in an iron lung. Oh my god. Scarred me. Like the I pictures thought. of them lined up. We Just lay there. Those. Like, all you could do is lay there and look at a mirror. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely post pictures of the Like, the I lords would rather be dead
1: than be in a goddamn iron lung. I can't imagine. So, the iron lines we use for patients with bulbar polio, which bulbar polio is when the polio virus affects your brainstem, which controls the, your swallowing reflexes. Mm-hmm. So, you can't swallow any of your secretions. So, they collect in your throat and then they can lead to suffocation.
0: Okay, how about just suction? Can we just come up with the suction?
1: So, I guess, I don't know if it went further, like further down, like into your chest. I don't, that's what they use them for. The iron lung seems a little bit excessive. It does seem excessive. <laughs> just so, an iron lung, a patient laid in a metal tube with just their head sticking out. It's literally just their head yep. sticking out. Um, the original one was powered by an electric motor, and it was attached to two vacuum cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking like a long time ago. Hobbit came up with two
0: fucking vacuum cleaners. <laughs> in an iron lung. In the ho- hoovering. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, get in. I'm going to put these two vacuum cleaners Stop on the end. Right <laughs> see out the suctions it. come up. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. So...
1: It worked by I'm changing sorry. the pressure inside the machine. Are okay. you smart?
0: Yeah. I, I would never have thought to stick somebody in a tube with two vacuum cleaners. No. to Get rid of their secretions. No.
1: So when the pressure is lowered, they, you know, they suck all the air out with the vacuum yeah. cleaners, your chest cavity expands. And when the pressure is raised, they blow air back in. Um, the chest cavity contracts. Okay. okay. So it mimics your breathing. So it helps. It's, it's just like a ventilator. It's a ventilator your, before there was yeah. these positive pressure ventilators. Um, so it may your breathing so you can breathe, so your lungs keep going. Um then John Emerson modified the iron lung by using bellows that were directly attached to the machine, I guess, instead of the vacuum cleaners. Um, and that iron lung was produced until 1970. Oh they were still making them All up right, until I just 1970. A side
0: story. So my mother and my parents had these tickets to the North Shore Music Theater. And She's like, come see this play with me. I don't even know what the hell the fucking play was about. She's like, come see this play with me. I'm like, fine. And we're like three rows back from the stage, oh, okay? Wow. And they're trying really hard with the props. And they bring a guy out in an, an iron line, okay? He's got the bellows underneath. But he must have been in the iron line working the bellows. Oh, God. <laughs> so they're going up like all rickety and shit. And I look at the this prop and... I immediately burst out laughing. I can't stop laughing, <laughs> and then my mother's laughing because I'm laughing, and she's like, "What?" I'm like, "Look at the eye and lung. Look at the eye and lung." And it's like, "Wee wee." <laughs> I could not stop laughing, no. and this is supposed to be like the most serious part. Well, you never, in an eye and
1: lung. I mean, you never want good. to
0: take me to a play because a cat's. The ending of it, when he goes off in the top, like that big rubber tie, it was the worst play I've ever seen in my life. I'm hysterical laughing because it was so ridiculous. I am not the person to have to be serious with. Let's just say that.
1: It doesn't sound like that. No.
0: Okay. I'm sorry. So back to the Iron Lung Bellows vacuum cleaners.
1: Yeah. So they- 1970. Updated. And they made them until 1970. Um, There was also the Bragg Paul pulsator, which was the first intermittent abdominal pressure ventilator. It was literally like a- a vibrator. No. <laughs> it was like a... Like a... Not a tourniquet. Like a tourniquet on your chest and your abdomen, it, And it was hooked up to... A pulsing? A pressure machine. And it would squeeze you in and let it out and squeeze you in and let it out. So it was... move, You know, it was... Oh, you were more mobile than standing in a tube. Well, you were still laying down, but you had this big cough on your chest. All right. And it was pushing in, pushing out, like another... Yeah. Like making your breathing. Um... And then there was also a rocking bed for less critical breathing difficulties. Who's so just buy moved you back you and a forth. Rocking bed. Mm-hmm. And that sounds soothing. I mean, I know. that doesn't sound awful.
0: So I the eye and lung, what? I could use
1: one of those now. I know. Um, the eye and lung saved thousands of lives, but there were tons of problems with it. It was huge, mm-hmm. cumbersome, cumbersome. Like you couldn't, you can't, you know, you can't go to you your go cousin's house and your eye and lung.
0: Um I'm coming it, for Christmas. Do we have an extra table for me? Can you
1: move some chairs aside? <laughs> the lungs coming. Yeah. Um and it was expensive. Yeah. In the nineteen thirties it cost fifteen hundred dollars, which sounds ridiculous now because mm-hmm. like an EpiPen costs that yeah. much. Um but in the nineteen thirties that was the same price as a house. Wow. Yeah. So they would But
0: you could technically live a, move your family into the iron lung. You I mean, it's pretty big. It was roomy. You know, stay at my feet. You can sleep by my side.
1: Yeah. One of you can sit right by my head. My favorite. You can get under the mirror. Yeah. Um, The cost of running the machine was also, like, extremely prohibitive with the use, especially since people were in them for months, years, or the rest of their lives. I would rather be dead. I can't imagine. Like, when you see a picture of these things. I cannot imagine. You have no life. You know when you get an MRI? Yes. And you have to lay in that tube for, like, 40 minutes? I want... To cry. Now you're in a tube for the rest of your life. Forever. Months. Mm-hmm. Months. Just lay here in this tube. No, I can't no, do it. Nope, nope, nope. nope, nope, nope. Um, but even with the iron lung, that saved thousands of people. The death rate for people with bulbar polio exceeded 90%, Oh. even with the iron lung. Um, these drawbacks, though, they led to the development of modern positive pressure ventilators and um, positive pressure ventilation by tracheostomy.
0: Yes. So now like if you see somebody in a wheelchair sometimes, like a quadriplegic, they have the little trachin and there's a ventilator on the wheelchair. Right. And you so can they're much more mobile. Take it in, with you. Yeah. Yeah. You really can go to Christmas dinner on that.
1: Yes. And positive pressure ventilators decrease mortality in bulbar patients from ninety percent to twenty percent.
0: Oh, that's huge.
1: That's huge. Huge. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, in the Copenhagen epidemic of nineteen fifty two. Large numbers of patients were handbagged by anyone there, like they'd have med students do it. But then they even had, like, you know, if you were visiting your cousin, you were what, handbagging them. Like I think until they got a little better, because there was so many patients, oh, and they had so little vents because these were just coming out these positive yep. pressure vents. So that, like, apparently they just had any anybody hand Bagging. venting these people. Um, so back in the day, um, there were surgical treatments mm-hmm. that were just thought to be wonderful. There was nerve grafting, tendon lengthening, tendon tr- tendon transfers, limb lengthening and shortening.
0: Um,
1: How would you shorten it? I think to match up with your other leg. Like if your one of your legs. So the
0: fuck with the good leg. I think so. That just makes just no yeah. sense at all. It's um, just silly talk.
1: Yeah. Um, these treatments were used extensively, and they found out these treatments weren't really any good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, patients with residual paralysis were treated with braces. They would taught to compensate with crutches, wheelchairs, calipers. Massage was used. None of these things ended up being really very much good, right? Because they would put these people in these braces that were like so hard and um, you see pictures of them. rigid, yeah, that they couldn't use it. So then, everything in that leg that wasn't dead now died because they couldn't use the leg. Yeah, you see pictures of those old braces, you know, and they'd have to like hit yep. them to straighten them yep. out and stuff. Um, there were serums oh, that were made. In 1950. Snake water? Hmm? Snake water? I don't know. Maybe. In 1950, William Hammond um, made, he isolated a serum from the blood of polio survivors. Okay. So he took blood from polio survivors, mm-hmm. isolated the serum. Between 1951 and 1952, 55,000 kids were in a clinical trial of this serum. Results were good. Um, it prevented paralytic polio in 80% of the time of the mm-hmm. patients that they um, tried it on. And it lessened the symptoms when they did get polio. So they got like those flu-like so did symptoms. Something. Did something. <laughs> However, it had to be re-injected during each outbreak. Um, the immunity only lasted five weeks and it was super expensive. And they okay. couldn't really narrow down like when they should give it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this started people working on a vaccine. They were like, okay, so this is working. Something's right. helping. Let's, We've we got gotta get to get something going here. Yeah. In 1935, Maurice Brody attempted a vaccine. He got this from the virus in ground up monkey spinal cords.
0: You know, rabies
1: is ground up, like, rabbit spinal cords or something. <clears throat> yep. Um. So that he vaccine. killed whatever that. was in these spinal cords in formaldehyde and then just ground it up. And Here you go. Have a little bit of this. Put injected it, in it into people. Mm-hmm. Yep. So first he gave it to himself, which was good. I mean, it's always good to test on himself first. And his assistants. Then 3,000 children. There were many allergic reactions. Oh, I wouldn't imagine so. Yeah. But no immunity ever mm-hmm. came from that vaccine. Monkey spinal cords. Monkey cords. That's awesome. Yep. Um,
0: They started liking bananas a lot. Yeah. Started cleaning each other, taking (laughs) lice off. Oh, I can't (laughs) stand them.
1: Um, In the late 40s and early 50s, a research group headed by John Enders at Boston Children's Hospital. Oh, Boston. We just kick ass. ass. We really do. (laughs) Um, Sorry, guys. They successfully cultivated the polio virus in human tissue. So this was a... Huge breakthrough that will lead to the vaccines that eventually came about. They him and his team won the Nobel Prize in nineteen fifty four for this research. And what was his name? John Enders. But he doesn't get a lot of credit for it. I mean, I've never heard his name. Right. He okay. won I mean he won a Nobel Prize. Right. Okay. He didn't get make the vaccine. Okay. But he figured out how to cultivate the poliovirus mm-hmm. in human tissue. So then there's this Kenny regimen. It's like the start of physical therapy okay? is what happened during the polio. So early on when polio would come out and everyone was sick and paralyzed and couldn't move their leg, it was a school of thought to rest the affected muscles. And the suggestion was to apply splints to the affected limbs. Which is exactly what you should tell. Right. Um, they thought it would prevent tightening of muscles, tendon, ligaments, or skin that would prevent normal movement. However, these people would be in plastic casts for months, which then caused atrophy of the muscles in both affected and non-affected limbs.
0: So is this why they have, like, shriveled up limbs? Yes. Okay. Well, so it's not the disease, really. It was the treatment. No, the, that was...
1: the polio did kill what it looked like. the muscles. Okay. But then some of these people would also then have casts on that, and then they couldn't get out of bed because they'd be in, like, these body casts. Okay. So then their other leg would also be atrophied, even though that leg was fine. Right. But whatever tissue was left in that, their bad leg. Didn't get worked. Didn't get worked, so then that would atrophy. So it was just worse. Okay, so that's why they got deformed on top of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, in 1940, Sister Elizabeth Kenny is an Australian bush nurse. She comes over to North America, and she's like, no, mm-mm, you guys are wrong. I'm not, we're not doing that. I'm the
0: first person to say that to us. Yeah, she flew all the way over here to tell us we were wrong. You guys are wrong.
1: Stupid. Um, <laughs> she had developed a form of physical therapy while treating polio cases in rural Australia between 1928 and 1940. Instead of immobilizing patients, she relieved pain and spasms by applying hot, moist packs mm-hmm. to the affected areas. And she um, had them do early activity and exercise to maximize the strength of unaffected muscle fibers and pr- promote neuroplastic recruitment of remaining nerve cells. Very smart of her for that time, to be honest with you. Very. Like, that, when like, everybody else you're... is like, no, no, lay down yeah. and don't move for six, six months. months and don't touch it. Um, she's like, no, no, move it. Get those muscles yeah. working. Even the affected muscles, they're going to get stronger if you right. work them. Um, she ended up settling in Minnesota she established the Sister Kenny Rehabilitation Institute and began to educate people worldwide like you need to move these muscles mm-hmm. or they're going to be worse. Um, by the mid 20th century this was the hallmark for treating polio and it is still with like anti um spasmatic drugs mm-hmm. is still the treatment for people with polio around the world. So Sister Kenny is
0: well, smart. I just don't know why would she settle in Minnesota? I th- I'm like she came from Australia and settled and in Minnesota? Minnesota. Like, there's nothing against Minnesota. It's like the opposite
1: don't... end of the world, though. It just it seems like a frozen, barren wasteland. And to she me. came from a from warm climate. I, I don't. Get I found it. that odd too. I'm glad you said. All right,
0: maybe we'll have to go to Minnesota and see what it's all about. Maybe see why she went up there. So I just don't see anything. Else I don't it. get
1: it. Okay. Um. So we now have a polio vaccine, obviously. mm mm-hmm. Um. So the only prevention you have to have four is
0: to this. Have doses before you go to school.
1: <laughs> only prevention for polio is the polio vaccine. There are two types of vaccine. The oral poliovirus vaccine mm-hmm. um, was introduced, I think, in 1963. Um, they have stopped using it in the U.S. Um, I think the last time they used it was 2000. It's still used in much of the world. It's um, a live vaccine that you take orally. The drink,
0: the kids. Yes, get. but
1: it's okay. a live virus. Yep. Um, the IPV, which is the inactivated polio vaccine, was the one that was developed by Jonas Salk.
0: Jonas Salk, mm-hmm.
1: which we all, you know, everybody's that's heard what of you his thing. with polio. That's right. his thing. So he developed the IPV. The IPV, um, like, the IPV, like giving it out, testing it out, dosing it out, was the largest medical experiment in history. Wow! Yeah, I had wow. Right? Isn't that crazy? Like um, they tested it on so many. It was the largest experiment in history. Um, Ninety-nine out of one hundred children that receive all recommended doses of the IPV vaccine will be protected from polio completely. I've never had it. Yep. So At my vaccine, I've never had polio. Right. So why do we get a vaccine? Uh, it was obviously one of the most feared diseases in the U.S. In the 1950s, the those polio outbreaks that I said were like the worst in history caused more than 15,000 cases of paralysis every year in the That's U.S. That's a lot. It's That's
0: ridiculous. A, and imagine thinking you have a
1: beautiful healthy child. God forbid they get polio. Now they're going to be in a long or They're going to, you know. Yeah. Um, following the introduction of IPV in 1955 and OPV in 1963, the number of polio cases dropped to less than 100 in the 1960s from like 50,000. Yeah. And then to less than 10. In the
0: 1970s, I think. Have you? Do you know anybody besides your aunt? <laughs> no,
1: nope. and that know. was in the 1950s,
0: right? I don't know a single person who's nope. ever
1: had polio. No, nope. polio has been eliminated in the U.S. Completely eliminated in the U.S. due to the vaccine. Yeah, I bet your stats coming back. Uh, so, since 1979, no cases of polio have originated in the United States. None. in in 19, the epidemic in 1979 was in, um, oh my God, Africa. No, it was in the U.S. Asia. No, it was in the U.S. It was Ohio. the last one in the U.S. Minnesota, The Amish. All of the Amish. It was in the Amish communities. Those renegades, but they don't, you know, renegades follow all of our, you know, follow all of the normal mm-hmm. rules. Um, so that's the last time that it had it originated was in an Amish mm-hmm. country. Um, it has been brought. It has been brought into the U.S. though by travelers. The last time that happened was 1993, um, and. You know, obviously, you ha- we have to maintain a high immunity in mm-hmm. the population, or it's going to come through back. the vaccine to keep it to keep the U.S. Pol- polo- polio free. Mm-hmm. We are completely polio free. Yeah, let's keep it. that we way. We were cause... completely measles free too. I know. Let's. No one wants polio. No, no one wants this for their kids. You don't want any of these
0: diseases. No. There is a reason. There were vaccines for all of them because they were deadly diseases. And
1: and even if you didn't die, you had terrible. Side effects. Side effects. Yeah. You want Terrible. to live in
0: an eye and lung for the rest of your oh, life? Oh God! No. Yeah, no. I'm all set.
1: So, my aunt, um, she's my father's. My father's one of five, and this is the oldest sister. So I said to her, you know, Aunt, we're doing a one polio. of the podcasts on vaccines, and I was going to do polio, and I, if you, if you would, if you would just tell me, because I don't think I've ever heard her story. You know, mm-hmm. I knew she had it because she has mm-hmm. a very, one of her legs is very, very skinny, like skin mm-hmm. and bones. So we always knew when, when we were little, they were like, oh, she had polio. You know, like, that's why her leg looks like that. Okay. You know. But I never heard, like, what happened, happened or, you right. know, anything. So I said, if you want to, great. And she's and she like, right away, absolutely give me a few days, though, because it's going to take a little while. I said, okay. So this is her letter. I'm just going to read it because it was a it's, lot of stuff. I love it on. coming from their words anyway. Yeah. So it says, August 1955, family, mom, dad. My aunt, who was six and a half, my father, who was four and a half, and she's not sure if her mom knew, but she was approximately three to four pregnant with my other aunt, three mm-hmm. to four weeks pregnant with my other aunt. And she said, according to my grandmother, her mother, by mid-August, uh, my aunt had developed a fever that came and went. She said, "I think they were thinking some little summer bug. Labor Day weekend, I was getting ready to start first grade. She was very excited. However, on the first day of school, either September sixth or seventh, my life was turned upside down. I woke and started down the hall to my parents' bedroom and fell before I reached their door. I could not stand up. A family doctor was called and arrived at our house. Yes, they did house calls and confirmed polio. According to my parents, Dr. Freeman said because of the epidemic, there was no room at Boston Children's Hospital. Wow. And he suggested that they confine me to my room and use the Sister Kenny method of treatment. Thank God. The treatment consisted of placing wet hot towels on my legs several times a day, and then exercising my legs, bending, lifting, etc., to keep the muscles moving. According to info sources, um, Sister Elizabeth Kenny was an Australian bush nurse mm-hmm. who had developed this controversial new approach to treating polio. Up until this point, conventional treatment was to use plastic casts on affected limbs. Sister Kenny's type of rehab became the foundation of physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Like I said. My aunt and I was also... So so compatible. Yeah. Um, I found out years later that Dr. Freeman had had polio as a child. She says, I wondered why he had walked with a limp. And now you know why he went into it specifically. Right. And he was treated with this method, with Mm -hmm. this Sister Kenny method. In hindsight, it was a blessing that Dr. Freeman was our family doctor and the hospital was overcrowded because my legs would have been casted and I would have been isolated in a very overcrowded ward with many other children. For at least the next month, the fever returned very high as the virus ran its course I don't remember much during that period, just the stories that I was lethargic and definitely out of it. Once the fever finally left, I was able to sit up in bed, but still could not walk. My mother and grandmother continued the hot towels and exercising my legs. Recovery was slow, not much energy. I remember listening to a children's story on the radio and watching the World Series on a very small black and white TV. For a six-year-old, very boring. (laughs) At some point, probably November or December, I had an appointment at Children's Hospital Polio Clinic in Boston. Now they have a concussion clinic we right. don't need a polio right. clinic anymore because we don't have that. um where she, i received my first pair of wooden crutches i was definitely one of the lucky ones There were kids of all ages crowded into a waiting room to see doctors physical therapists etc some were in wheelchairs some with casts and some with braces it was so overwhelming when i had an appointment we would get there around 8 30 a.m and not leave until around noon a lot of the time was just sitting waiting to see the next white coat I had a yearly appointment at Children's for the next 12 years until I turned 18. Wow. Yeah. Well, it does come back. Yeah. By December of 1955, I was walking pretty well with the use of crutches. So after the new year, I was finally able to attend school. The city, um, they lived in Somerville, Mm -hmm. had supplied a tutor for about six weeks. Once in school, the strength in my legs seemed to get better. My right leg was less affected and always stronger than the left, but not 100%. I was definitely aware of what I could and couldn't do. During one of my appointments when I was around 13, doctors discovered that my left leg was shorter than my right. My heel cord and tendon on the bottom of my foot had stopped growing. Ugh. <laughs> For the next <laughs> six weeks, I had weekly visits to children's where they placed my left leg in a cast with a wedge in the back by the heel to try to stretch it. Each week, they would replace the cast with a new one in a larger wedge. It was very painful. I was going to say that must have hurt like yeah. a mofo. Especially over six weeks, so that's yeah. got to be a big adjustment that every hurt. time. Yeah. Results were that they were able to stretch both a bit. Still left leg approximately half an inch shorter than the right. Um, and then she writes side, her side effects of polio um, that she had. Legs that ache almost on, almost constantly. Um, tylenol and alveol do not help. Even today? I guess so. Oh, that's terrible. Um, shorter left leg that definitely impacts my skeletal posture. Fractual, she's fractured her left ankle two times. She's broken her left leg once. She's had a right knee replacement due to arthritis and overuse mm-hmm. because of the mm-hmm. weaker Compensation. left leg. Yep. Um, she's had multiple back fusions. Um, as she, quote-unquote, matures, um, strength in both <laughs> her legs is weakening. The left get, leg gets a little thinner and weaker each year. Oh. The bone density is less dense than the right, and the leg bone is much thinner. I mean, you can definitely see it. See it. Um. Each day I'm reminded of what I can and cannot physically do, but I keep pushing the limit. I often wonder how different my life would have been if the polio vaccine had been perfected just a little sooner. And she wrote, um... Sorry, once I got started, memories and emotions took control. It's so funny because that's what my cousin said about the firework episode about his thumb. Like, I couldn't believe, like, what it did to me when I wrote it all down. But I thought she did a very good job of writing it all down. Yeah, she did. And it just... To think she's still dealing with it today. It's still a fact she's had later. multiple back surgeries because everything's off.
0: Has she lived a good life though? Like, has oh, she, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. no, she's active and yeah, she, yeah, she does everything. Oh, she terrible. works, she does all that. But it's just oh, you have pain all your life. Wishing the
0: vaccine had been around, isn't that amazing? Yeah, mm-hmm. a little earlier,
1: just a little earlier yeah, that it was a perfected.
0: Bit more. Yep. Ira, God bless his whole. Mm-hmm.
1: Well so Thank you for writing that. That's quite a story. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you got? Oh. What do I have? (laughs) Something we never
0: want. Tell me what you know about the Spanish flu. It killed 8,000 million people. Did you ever hear of it before uh, I started talking about it? I have heard of it. Okay. Mike, have you heard about the Spanish flu? Spanish flu? Yeah, close. (laughs) I started researching this and was A, stunned at how intense it was and even more shocked that nobody knows about it. It was like, what do you know about the Black Plague?
1: It killed 800. Right. You know what you hear about the Black
0: Plague in history books. The Spanish flu killed as many people as the Black Plague, wow. and nobody talks about it. It's unbelievable. Okay, so I got my information from Wikipedia, my new favorite website, smithsonian.com. Oh, that's a good one. And um, I, I'm not going to lie, I got so excited about this episode because... <laughs> When I started reading into it, there was, A, a ton of information on it, and, B, I couldn't believe how extreme it was Mm -hmm. when it happened. And this is the flu. This is the flu that we still have today. Yeah. It was intense. So, The American Experience, which is a series on PBS, had a whole episode Mm -hmm. just for the Spanish flu of Mm -hmm. 1918. And so I was sitting and watching with one of our coworkers. And it had the creepiest, like, nursery rhyme at the beginning of it. And these little <laughs> girls, and they jump rope And it's like, I had a little bird whose name was Enza. Open the door and influenza. Like, <laughs> this is what kids were singing. Oh, hmm. creepy ass kids. Because everyone's dying. Yeah, because everybody's dying. Okay. So the Spanish flu of 1918 started in January of 1918. It mm-hmm. ended in December of 1920. Jesus. But it really... It came in like three phases. In total, it's believed to have killed 50 to 100 million people. 50, 50 I was kidding when I said eight hundred To 100 million. million people. 50 to 100 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the first 25 weeks, it killed more than AIDS has killed in 25 years. Oh okay. Oh
1: my God.
0: To this day, it is responsible for more American deaths this century than all of the wars combined. Okay? Are you kidding? I am dead serious. This was no joke. In total, in the United States alone, it killed 675,000 people, which is more than we have lost in all of the wars combined in this century. World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, more. Oh, um, my God. The only pandemic worse than the Spanish flu was the Black Plague. And the only reason they can't decide which was worse is because the numbers of the Middle Ages, right. the population was smaller. It was bad. Yeah. So the origins of the flu are debated. Some believe it started at um, a hospital camp in Etaples, France. I don't know. It's somewhere in France. All right? <laughs> it's French. The camp had a live piggery on it. And it yeah. had poultry. That's what that's called? Yeah, like where you keep pigs. Piggery. <laughs> piggery. <laughs> piggery. That's where my mother lived, like, up the hill from a piggery. Ew. She talks about it all the time. Like, oh, man, that's what small fucking great uh. in the summer. Um, so they lived, they had a live piggery on camp, and they had poultry that was brought in from the village. Most of these flus generate with pigs or poultry. Mm-hmm. Pigs are, like, the closest things to us. Mm-hmm. So they can brew a lot of shit that can get transferred to us. Mm-hmm. Goddamn Pigs. So others think it started in China, some say Austria, but the most common theory is that it started in Haskell County, Kansas. Oh, Kansas. Haskell County, Kansas. I wouldn't have guessed that one. You wouldn't know. Uh-huh. I'm a wealth. Mm-hmm. So a physician in Haskell County, Kansas, named Louis Minor, alerted the US Public Health Service in January of nineteen eighteen about the unusual flu activity of the year. Mm-hmm. The Santa Fe Monitor reported that Miss Eva Van Allstein is sick with pneumonia. Ralph Linderman is still quite sick. <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta turn the page. Um, the young son of Ernest Elliott is sick with pneumonia. Most everybody over the county is sick with la grippe or pneumonia. La, la grippe, you know, I'm like that. Say, I think little gripe, gripe, gripe is a
1: I got I'm gripe. Call usually it's la la my gripe. bowels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. A few of these Haskell County men who are sick end up going to the military base camp Funston in Kansas. Mm -hmm. So they go to this camp Funston. So on March 4th, the first soldier, company cook Albert Gitchell, becomes first known case of influenza for 1918. Mm -hmm. And so starts phase one of the flu epidemic. Camp Funston is a huge training base for guys going into World War I. So we in 1918, Mm -hmm. we have just entered the 4th or 5th year of World War I. Um, it's a huge training base. They're going over. So within, let's see, within days of Albert Getchell getting sick on March 4th, 522 men get mm. sick. Within two weeks, 1,100 soldiers are sick and 35 die. Oh my God. The six soldiers carried the flu with them to 24 of the 36 oh. training camps in the U.S. and then brought it overseas. Uh-huh. So it was like, initially, it wasn't a big deal. Phase one's not a big deal. It's a three day flu. People were calling it the three day fever. Not many people are, are dying from it. It only gets attention when it sweeps through Spain. This is how it gets its name. So the war, you know, we're all at war. Right. The Germans are getting sick, but they're not going to tell anybody their field's getting sick. And the French are getting sick, but they're not going to tell anybody. The Americans aren't getting sick. Spain's neutral. They're like, oh, guess what? We're all getting sick over here. And the king's sick. And this one's sick. Well, Spanish flu. But it's. It's not really. Soon. It's not really like the Spaniards were like, we are going to make you sick. Um, <laughs> it's because they're the only ones going to talk about it because they're not at war. Right. I mean, I would think in war, you don't want everybody knowing you're like, la gripe. Yeah, we're all dying you know, Attack them now. Okay. So, um, that's how it gets the label of the Spanish flu. And in the initial phase, this is a quote. The initial phase was so faint as to be hardly perceptible or results are together lacking and was everywhere a mild form. The few ominous signs of phase one are that those who did die were healthy young adults. Yeah.
1: I was going to say that when you said they were at the camp and 35 yes. guys. I'm like, these are young. So they
0: usually when you have flu deaths, it's little kids or old people. This is striking young males. Yeah. Really. Um, and some of the flu deaths, they're misdiagnosed as meningitis because of the hemorrhages in the lung tissue. So they're like, oh, it's meningitis. This wasn't the flu. So by July, the Army, the Army Medical Bulletin reports from France that the epidemic is about to end and it has throughout been a type of benign flu. Hmm. A British journal flat out says the flu has completely disappeared. Now, if this was a movie you're doing about this flu epidemic of yeah. 1918, you're going to have a guy in a podium saying flu epidemic has disappeared. And you're going to have a guy on the boat behind him going, <coughs> yeah. Ominous foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, oh, you see little dust particles like Stranger Things kind of floating around in the air. You know? <laughs> it's going to get bad. So, in August, it resurfaces in Switzerland. And it's such a virulent form that the U.S. Naval Intelligence, in a document marked, quote, secret and confidential, oh. warns that the disease, now epidemic throughout Switzerland, is what is commonly known as the Black Plague. Although it is designated as Spanish sickness or la gripe, phase two has now officially begun. Mm -hmm. So now we fast forward. United States. Picture it. Fort Devens, Massachusetts. September 1st, 1918. The hospital at Fort Devens can hold 1,200 patients of the 45,000 soldiers that are stationed there. Mm -hmm. On September 1st, there are 84 patients at the hospital. September seventh, soldier shows up at the hospital, delirious, and he screams when he's touched. Oh. He is diagnosed with meningitis. The next day, a dozen more meningitis cases show up. Now doctors are like, uh, "Yeah, no, this is the flu. This is yeah. the shit. This is the flu." And it, when it peaks at Devon's, fifteen hundred and forty-three soldiers have come in in one day. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So now the hospital's overwhelmed, doctors are sick, the nurses are sick, cafeteria workers are sick, so no one's there to even feed the camp. Right. The hospital has to shut down, leaving thousands more sick and dying just in the barracks. Like, oh, my God. It's a shit show. So Rob, nope, Roy Geist is a hospital physician, and he writes that men start appearing to be an ordinary attack of La ripe. Mm-hmm. Or influenza, and when brought to the hospital, they very rapidly develop the most vicious type of pneumonia that has ever been seen. Two hours after admission, they have mahogany spots over their cheeks, and a few hours later, cyanos- cyanosis, which is your lips get blue, yeah. your fingertips get They're blue, not you're great. turning black. Yep, extending to the face. It's only a matter of a few hours then until death comes. Oh. It's horrible. We have been averaging about a hundred deaths per day. For several days, there were no coffins, and bodies were piling up something fierce. Oh, my God. So this is what he's writing. Mm-hmm. Devons in the Boston area are the first to be hit by, fa- by phase two, and within weeks, it's worldwide. So as September is continuing and the flu is spreading, the government is making it worse. They don't want anybody talking about this flu. Mm-hmm. They want to just, let's whitewash it, you yeah. know, morale, we're at war, we got to talk, making this great. So number one problem is the military's taken all your best doctors so anybody who knows even remotely what to do they shipped overseas number two is they lied and then they passed the sedition act that said it made it punishable up to 20 years in prison to utter print write or publish any disloyal profane or abusive language about the government which also means spreading word that people are getting sick from this flu mm-hmm. that became a public offense so um This gets out to the public health officials, so they're lying about it to everybody. No, this isn't the flu. No, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Number three, Navy ships from Boston have now gone to Philly, and they bring the soldiers (sighs) and the flu. So day one, shipyard. Boat arrives from Boston. Sailors get off the ship. Day one, the shipyard erupts with flu. Mm -hmm. Public health director Wilmer Krusnan Kruisnen, I like that, declares... Mm -hmm. He would confine this disease to its present limits. And in this, we are sure to be successful. No one died. No concern. Day two.
1: <laughs> that was day one. He made two that break. Sa- for day one.
0: one. <laughs> Next day, two sailors die of the flu. Not the Spanish flu. It's the old fashioned flu. From now on, this disease will decrease. Huh. Day three. Fourteen sailors die. Oh one God. civilian. Each day. More and more. More and more are dying. And the- each day, the public is not told, this is bad. By September 26th, the Spanish flu has hit the whole country and the Armal ha- army had to cancel the, na- the nationwide draft. No, they're not drafting anybody now, no matter how bad it is, because this flu is so goddamn bad. Philly has scheduled a huge parade for so, September 28th, the Liberty Loan Parade. Oh. And, sorry, that's my page turning. There, Thousands are going to pack the streets, close contact, mm. doctors are begging this Crewson to cancel it because they know if you get these people all together everyone's going to go crazy yeah. they um the cons- they talk to concerned reporters they tell them write about it write about the dangers but the editors refuse to print the articles they won't do it mm-hmm. um, two days after the parade Crewson concedes that the epidemic was bad but not that bad don't panic oh, okay. the newspapers print that scientific nursing has halted the epidemic Oh. I don't know what scientific nursing is. And it's all bullshit. Yeah, Nurses had no impact because there were no nurses. Out of 3,100 requests for nurses, only 193 people could show up. Because they're just as sick as the rest right. of the population. Right. Okay? Finally, Crewson orders all schools closed, banned all public gatherings throughout. Uh, and the paper says, it's not a public health measure, don't panic. In Philadelphia, 759 people would die in one day. Oh, my God. It's so bad. It's like a scene out of Monty Python. They would tell the people, put your bodies on the porch at night. We'll come come around and pick them up. Bring out your dead. Like, that bad. Um, The priests would drive horse-drawn carriages down the street for people. They would bring out their dead, and they would be in mass graves. By the end of Philly, uh, by the end, Philly lost 1,200 people in six weeks. Oh, my God. Tw- no, I'm sorry. 12,000. 12,000 12, people in six weeks. So over a four-day period in October. Now, October, when you watch the series and everything, they're like, you had September, and then you had October. October was the worst month, the month that most Americans have ever died, oh like God. the worst month for Americans. Yeah. So over a four-day period in October, Camp Pike admits 8,000 soldiers who were sick. San Antonio, 53% of the population got sick. Now, I mean, people know that the government's lying. Uh, the towns and cities, they know they're lying because the towns and cities are running out of coffins. That's So when you watch um, that PBS series, mm-hmm. they are interviewing people who had it and survived, people who lost family members. And this one guy is like, so it, I mean... They're old now because it's over a hundred years old when this Mm -hmm. happened. So this must have been filmed a couple, you know, a while ago. So he's like, I was 10, 8, 10 years old. He said, we go down the street and we're in front of the funeral parlor. He said, and there's all these boxes stacked in front of the funeral, the funeral parlor. Uh He's like, me and my four friends jumping on the boxes, (gasps) pretending they're pyramids were all over these boxes. He goes, I go home and I tell my mom, guess what we were doing? Mm -hmm. And she's like, never go down there again. Those were coffins. Mm -hmm. Those were bodies. The three kids he was jumping with all died from the flu. Oh, my God. From jumping on the Right, boxes. from getting Yeah. And he's like, I don't know how I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. He's like, but I was knocking on doors. Hey, you know, Mrs. Smith, where's Jimmy? And she'd be like, go ask your mother. He's not around anymore. Oh, my God. Hey, Mrs. Smith, where's Rob? Go ask your mother. And he's like, I went back to school. Half my class had died from the Spanish flu. Oh, my flu. God. Um, you know, and you have a story of another kid who his mother sent him to go live with the aunt because she was afraid he was going to get the Spanish flu. She died from the Spanish flu. He got it. He survived it. She died from it. And he's like, my life is just never the same. once you lose your mother? Never the same. So um, it is written that, so the papers, the government's like screwed, because there's nobody to take care of these sick people. There's Mm -hmm. so many sick people. All who are free from the care of the sick at home report for emergency work. No one comes. Michigan, whole families are sick, and no one will come to help. Kentucky, Connecticut, same reports. People won't go out. They don't even want to breathe. Shops close. Schools close. Streets are empty. The Red Cross wrote, a fear and panic of the flu akin to the terror of the Middle Ages regarding the Black Plague has been prevalent in many parts of the country. So doctors are writing that they're out and there's nobody on the streets. And anybody you do see is wearing a mask. And they said the flu is... um, Wearing a mask trying to protect yourself from the flu mm-hmm. was like wearing chicken wire to protect yourself from dust. It right. didn't it do shit. Because they don't really even know at this point what is causing it. Mm-hmm. They think it's a bacterial infection. Yeah. So now we have October. October sees 195,000 Americans die, making it the deadliest month in American history. That's unbelievable. The healthcare workers can't tend to the sick. And when you come to, this is like unbelievable too. So when you would go to the hospital, Mm -hmm. bring my mom in, she's got the flu. They would half wrap her in like body wrappings, toe tag her, because they knew by that afternoon she was dead. So you were half prepared for death when you showed up. I was like, wow, that's something. I want to do that sometimes though. you can be like, if I can dead. let's go. Come on. Put let's you, just, let's put just put that you, now. i put you in the shroud right now. Yeah. Okay. What's your
1: name? Um, I'm just putting yeah, this you... on your feet. Just hold on a <laughs>
0: second. Um, there's no grave diggers to even bury the dead. So there's mass graves used. They're just using these huge diggers, dumping them all in because they, they don't have enough coffins. They don't have a grave
1: right. diggers. And they are going to do something with the bodies.
0: Right. Yeah. People are coming up with contraptions. So they're wearing mothballs around their necks. They're wearing garlic <laughs> around their necks. And they're wearing, it's like I vampires. Mean, this, this kid that's talking about his friends on the coffins. He's sitting there, um, and there's a picture of all of them together, and they're all wearing camphor around their neck, which is like mothballs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, people are blaming the German-based Bayer Company for oh. poisoning everyone. They oh. think the Germans are poisoning people well, with Bayer aspirin.
1: World War One, so mm-hmm. everything's
0: um, Western. So now it's worldwide. You have Western Samoa; ninety percent of the population is affected. Mm most of them die. It okay. was wiping out whole like whole civilizations. They're having a problem with it because they have a tradition that if you're their tribal and if mm-hmm. you're dying, you orally give the tradition of the tribe. So as you're dying with the flu, you're in his face trying mm-hmm. to get the tradition so mm-hmm. he're going to get sick too. Victor Vaughn, head of the Army's communicable disease division writes, if the and he's like not one to panic, he's a very stoic guy." Mm-hmm. If the epidemic continues its mathematical rate of acceleration, civilization could easily disappear from the face of the earth in a few weeks. That's how fast it's killing everybody. Right. He thinks, we're done. Everybody's gone. done.
1: Yeah.
0: By November, gone. No more plague. Like, <laughs> gone. So, Armistice Day is November eleventh, 1918. That's the end of World War Two. Mm-hmm. The October before, the Spanish flu is killing everybody. World well War One. Well. World War I, excuse me. The Spanish flu is killing everyone. By November 11th, it's basically gone. A third wave comes in from January 1919, and it ends in the spring. April 3rd, 1919, you have the Versailles Peace Conference. Mm -hmm. Woodrow Wilson is at the April 30th, 1919, where he's the president. They're deciding what to do with Germany and all the other countries that were in the war. Mm -hmm. His... Um, secretary his male secretary has just died from the flu while he's there he collapses from the flu and they believe that this is why he made such disastrous decisions during that conference and because that conference and that treaty is a direct result of why world war ii happened Mm -hmm. so they think he was sick with the flu and he was delirious and could not make right decisions so, after 1918, the flu was around, but the immune systems now could fight it, and it stopped invading the lungs. Like, so, it was going not just in your lungs, it would get in, mm-hmm. and it would cause, uh, I forgot the word for it, but um, it was some kind of a infection storm. So, what would happen is, it would get into your lungs, but it would go deep into your lungs, and it would, your body would have such a, because you're young and you're healthy, yeah. such a hyperactive reaction to it, your lungs would fill the fluid and you would die. Oh, God. Uh, it's like a cyto... I have it written down somewhere. Of course, I don't have it with me right now. I think that's why now they go on ECMO. Yeah. Which is a lung bypass machine Mm -hmm. because they're going... It's usually young people Mm -hmm. who are battling the flu end Mm -hmm. up on ECMO, and I think it's because they're having a hyperreaction to it infecting their lungs. Okay. So part of the reason it it had settled down is because it wasn't going as deep in the lungs. People are building up an immune Mm -hmm. to it. So as I said... In total, 675,000 Americans died, more than the combined total of all the wars in the 20th century. It's second to the Black Plague. Again, those numbers are off because okay. Tonga, 8% of the population died. New Zealand, 8,500 deaths. Ireland, 10% of the population dies. Savannah, Chatham County, Georgia, six thousand, sixty-five hundred 6,500 deaths out of 83,000 people. 12,000 in Australia. Overall, 50 to 100 million people died from That's the crazy. flu. So, during the epidemic they're trying to come up with a vaccine but they think it's a bacteria because in 1918 the microscopes are not strong enough to see viruses. Mm-hmm. They can only see bacteria. Mm-hmm. So they came up with a vaccine, didn't do shit. Right. So um, in 1935 close to 15 years later Frank McFarland Burnett and Wilson Smith separately discovered that you can grow the influenza virus on eggs. By 1938 Thomas Francis Jr. with Jonas Salk... Oh, Jonah. Administers the vaccine to the United States military. Mm -hmm. So the first people in the United States to get a flu vaccine for the very first time is the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. Now we're vaccinating people. In 1968, the Hong Kong or Asian flu creates another global pandemic with huge mortality rate. Mm -hmm. 1997, another avian flu creates a pandemic. Mm -hmm. 2009 flu season, H1N1, which is the same flu that hit in 1918 had more than 200,000 deaths in the first 12 months of its circulation. Mm-hmm. 200,000 deaths in from the flu. That was not, that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no joke. And in 2018, 80,000 people died from the flu with more than point eight million people getting sick. The highest since the 2009 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Which is why you get your goddamn flu shot. Yeah. Now, I have a girlfriend who works for Lloyd's office and she's like, I don't get the flu shot because you can get Guillain-Barre, you can get this. Yes, you can. Yeah. But if you don't get it, you can die.
1: Yeah.
0: You can recover from Mm Guillain-Barre. You can recover from a nerve damage. Mm -hmm. You're not going to recover if you die. No. And we see people come in every year. Yep. Young. Healthy. Young college kids Mm -hmm. coming in, putting on hot lung machines and not coming
1: back out. No. From the flu. From the flu. It sounds stupid. Because everyone says, oh, I have the flu. A, you don't actually have the flu normally when you're saying you have the flu. Um, But B, these people are young, healthy, active. They didn't feel good for a couple days, and they are Mm -hmm. literally dead. Dead. A few days later. Mm -hmm.
0: I've, You know, we do those uh, DCDs, Mm -hmm. which is um, you donate your organs after your heart stopped. I've done a couple, and they've been flu people. Mm -hmm. And it shocks me every time. And what I want to, I, you know, I really want to do this podcast, this particular episode trying to be really unbiased, but I want to strangle people when they're like, I'm not going to get the flu shot. And I'm like, oh, it made me sick. I'm like, that
1: didn't make you sick. sick.
0: No. All right. I'll show you sick. That didn't make you sick. You weren't on ECMO. No. Get your goddamn flu shot. I want to strangle people. Yeah. And I can't even get into the people who are like, well, I'm not vaccinating because it causes autism, which is a flat out lie. Yeah. A flat out lie. Mm. So you'd rather your kid die or be blind or sterile or or crippled than have autism? Really? And it's not going to give them autism anyways, but I digress. Well, I'm going to be an anti seatbelter and an anti-parachute person (laughs) because who believes in that? Parachutes don't save people. Seatbelts don't save people. It pisses me off. I can't even say how much it pisses me off. (laughs) You stayed real neutral. (laughs) I can't. I had to get it out there. Feel free to email me. We can go toe-to-toe on this, all right? (laughs) This is the only episode because I just,
1: we 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 literally in my son, like I've said on a million episodes now, I feel like they don't believe me. They think I'm just making this up because everything I say. I'm like, I see this. They're like, there's no way you see all this. No, we do. Every year, every year, I'm like, this is why you get a flu shot. Yes. Because these people were as healthy as I am and they're now dead right. from the flu like right. it's ridiculous right. get it please
0: and just measles it's not just a simple childhood disease no measles blind you measles yeah. deafen you measles yeah. sterilize you yeah. chickenpox can deafen you. you can get encephalitis mm-hmm. i mean i could go on and on with all these different they they maim you right. there's a reason we are vaccinating
1: against them right. And it's not like people just make a vaccine for every single thing that ever comes. It's right. things that have killed or maimed. Right. Tons. Of
0: and you know things. It has what? to have
1: had serious side effects to go through all that to right. make a vaccine.
0: And you can always look at They have to have them before you go to school. You can spread them out. You don't mm-hmm. have to have 15 vaccines at one office visit. They'll spread them out for you. Right.
1: They'll work with you. Mm-hmm.
0: Get your kids vaccinated.
1: And it's not even <laughs> your kids. It's, it's the kids th- who can't, who yes. are sick. Yes. Who yes. then your kids are going to carry it. And you know what? Right, your kids might not get very sick from it. They might just carry it. They might get right. a little little fever for a couple of days. There's other kids who will die. Can you, when you live they get with
0: it. killing the newborn baby who right. hasn't had their vaccines yet Right. and now has measles because your kid didn't get vaccinated? Right. Can you live with that? I no, because I couldn't. No, I could never forgive myself. Yeah. All right, I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. and putting it away. Neutral, very neutral. Yeah, that was real neutral. We have no opinion either way. <laughs> can't imagine how you feel. All right, I'm just. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't be quiet about this one. No um okay you've lasted About almost a, second. a whole episode yeah. you, know, you know what i think that's pretty good for me i do all right I, I really went by with that um and i won't get political ever again but vaccines are a sore spot because i just you're hurting other people vaccines aren't even political it's just i can't even believe people think <laughs> i just can't even I can't. I can't even believe people think it's like i'm not gonna do that I, I just i can't even believe people that crosses somebody's head mm-hmm. and you know what the people saying this have been vaccinated, right? You were. So vaccinated. you're not going to get sick, but you're going to let your kid die. Like, yeah. I
1: don't. Mm-hmm. All
0: right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So on that note, well, I think this episode is coming to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what we're doing next, but we're doing something good. Oh, I know what we're doing. Next. You know what we're doing. We're next. doing next. You're going to like the next episode. Nice surprise. Yep. Yep. Um, so again, send us stories in. We'd love to hear them. Please. We would love to hear them. And if you have a very strong opinion about what we had to say on this episode, we'd love to hear that too.
1: Take it on. Yeah, we're fine with it.
0: (laughs) All right, ladies and gents, have a great night. And uh, we will see you in the fall. Mm -hmm. Get your flu
1: shot. (laughs) Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.